It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another exciting week of sports is in the books. This is Nick Ferguson on Voice America Sports Network. As usual, I'm joined by Mario Batanza. He was not available last week. He was dealing with uh, some uh, some throat issues, right, Mario? Yeah, man, a little bit of throat issues, some uh, you know, some personal issues, but it's all good. We're all we're all fixed now, and man, it's good to be back and hear your voice, Nick. It's it's, it's awesome. Uh, uh, you know, today is a great day. I mean, of course, it's February, Black History Month. And, hey, man, you know, every Thursday at this time is, I mean, every Thursday is a great day, mostly because of this time and this show with you and I. Well, yeah, you know, well, here's something interesting about today. I mean, uh, you got the Heat playing OKC later on tonight on, on the four-letter network. Also, NBA trend deadline is today. And here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest story. Now, every year at this particular time, NFL prospects and Whole Foods a gathering in Indianapolis hoping to be that spark and catch the eye of some NFL team so they can cash in on their skill set. Uh, today on the show, we have uh, uh, Ted Sunquist, former GM with 16 years in the business, is going to join us and give us a breakdown on who he would take with that first pick, talk a little Teddy Bridgewater, Johnny Manziel. But on the line right now, we have Chips Smith, 25 years in the business himself and training some of uh, the top prospects. And let's see if we can get a, some insight from uh, Chip on what it takes to get these guys to the level that they need to be. Uh, Chip, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me, brother. It's always a pleasure to have someone with your expertise on. Let, let me jump right into it. Now, every year you have a lot of college prospects that are looking to make that splash. And there, there's so many uh, training facilities uh, that pop up. You have athletes' performance. And you have some other uh, facilities that a lot of uh, agents send their players to. But but tell me, what, what is it about your guys and, and how you prepare your guys that get them ready, not just for the combine, but just for, you know, the longevity and that staying power in the NFL? Well, that's, that's a great question because that is that certainly is the, what separates me from the majority of the guys in the business. I'm a football guy that teaches football speed. And so for us, Nick, you know, what we do is – we spend 95% of our time doing football-related skills and 5% of our time doing combine drills, where a lot of guys is 95% doing combine drills and 5% trying to teach him how to be a football player. So we're, you know, we spend time, a typical day for, for a guy that comes in with me is he spends two hours with a skills coach. For example, I'm watching right now my offensive lines working with Bob Whitfield, a perennial pro, you know, pro bowl player that played in the league 14 years. And uh, he's working with our guys on blackboard, and he'll go on the field and do two hours of skill work. Uh, teaching them technique, terminology. Then uh, they're on the field with me doing combine speed, position-specific work for two hours. And then I'll take a break, and then they're back in the weight room for two hours uh, doing doing strength training. So I think it's all-encompassing in terms of what we provide. Six hours a day, the NCAA mandates they can only have eight hours a week, so we get them for six or seven hours a day. We do that on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. We do a regen day where we put them in a pool for, for recovery. You remember those days? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, and then, then, then Wednesday afternoon, we're out on the field doing seven on seven. So I'm one of the only guys in the country that does that. So these guys are actually do, using the skills that they need to play and compete on the next level. And I think 
you alluded to early on, for me, the difference is we prepare guys not only to perform at Indy, and I've got 20 guys in Indy this weekend uh, that are getting ready for you know getting ready for for the draft, and I've got other guys that I think have a chance to play that, that didn't get invited, or you know there's only 300 kids that do get an invite, but preparing guys to play and make teams and, and perform that's really you know that's who I hang my hat on. I've had 18 straight years of first round draft picks, but that's not first round or first round or what I train them, you train them or our moms train them. It's guys like you. It's guys like James Harrison, undrafted free agent, uh, that didn't go to any, didn't go to the combine, didn't go to the, any bowl games. That uh, ended up, and I made a call on his behalf. And ended up getting signed and being player of the year, defensive player of the year, and Super Bowl MVP, and and uh, being a great player. Those are the guys that I hang my hat on. Uh, guys that um, that don't meet the measurables. They're not tall enough. They're not fast enough. They're not big enough. Um, but you know, like I was telling Nick earlier. When you, you you got a stopwatch that can measure 40s, you got a vertex to measure uh, vertical, you got a bench to measure 225, you got calipers to measure body fat. But until I can reach in that bag and I can pull something out that can measure this heart, don't tell me a kid can't play. And I've got a great example of a kid that's here with me right now, Connor Shaw, the quarterback from South Carolina. All right, Chip, a quick question for you, man. And I've kind of unofficially not trained people, but worked out with people, and I've noticed that. When you work out with somebody, you kind of develop this bond where if if weight training is not really something you do, you don't quite understand it. So you're constantly training with all these players from first round draft picks, as you said, to undrafted players. And you form a specific special bond with each one of these guys when they have success in the NFL how do you react to that? And I also want to know if they were to get injured, you know, is, is that something that you burden with yourself at all? Because I'm also a therapist for several Bronco players, and I know right. if something happens to them on the field, I almost blame myself, even though it's a game that obviously you don't have a lot of control over in that regard. So how do you react in certain situations where if they're successful or if they get hurt and maybe they're not as good as you thought? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and you know, that's a great question. And that, you know, first of all, my business, um, it, everything's predicated on personal relationships. And I tell every young man that comes in, and, and Nick will confirm this, but everybody that comes in, they become part of my extended training family. And it doesn't matter whether they're first round draft picks and they, they never play in the league. They know there's an old guy in Atlanta in, 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 in North Cross, Georgia that loves them and cares about them as a person. And friendship's not predicated on their first round. I'm the only one of my coaches that know what, a, what anybody's draft grade is. But I have a mantra, and I say this to every guy that comes in, whether he's a veteran guy or he's a collegiate player, get ready for the draft. I do not take credit when you do good, and I don't take credit when you do bad. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go on in our business. When you've been around for as long as I have, I put thirteen hundred guys in the league. I have three hundred current clients. You're gonna have guys that are gonna have great years, and you're gonna have guys that, that that really, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they stumble or, or or they struggle in the league. And so I just learned that that talent that they have is God given talent. You know, all I've got is I think I've got the right polish that I can take that diamond and polish that diamond, and when I tilt it to the sun, it sparkles. But that's God-given talent, and I don't take credit for that. Anybody in my business that does is a fool. Okay, so somebody asked me about Champ Bailey. Champ's one of my clients. They said, what did you do with Champ Bailey? I said, I pointed in the field and said, go play. You know, so <laughs> you have guys that are great athletes that, you know, are going to be great athletes in spite of anything that you do. So for me, you know, it's all about personal relationships with them, you know, caring about them as people. Uh, I'm more interested in, in, you know, when Nick calls me, tells me, he's, you know, he's gotten married, he has his firstborn. It's that connection. That's why I'm passionate about doing what I do. My extended training family, 
is 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 worldwide now. You know, when you come in my facility, I've got hundreds of jerseys on the wall. I can tell you every every guy that's on that wall. I can tell you who drafted them. I could probably tell you the names of their firstborn children because I care about them as people. They come back when they come to Atlanta. They come in to see me. Makes my day. So, do I feel for them when they get hurt? Absolutely. But do I take responsibility? No. If it's a in a collision sport like football, you're going to get hurt. If you're not hurt, you're not playing. Right. So for, for, for me, again, if it's a thing where a guy pulls a hamstring, you know, then I, then I say, you know, did I do something that, that maybe uh, caused that or, or, or was a precursor to, to a hamstring or a quad pull? But you know what? In the end, uh, you know, I can't take responsibility for that. And, and, and uh, you know, it happens. And, again, you can't play that game at that level and, and not be hurting somewhere. So I, I feel free as a PT, as, a, as a, you know, as, a, as somebody that does rehab with guys, it's really hard not to get uh, mentally involved in terms of taking responsibility. You know, what if? What if I did this? What if, what if I hadn't done that? You know, again, that, that's just part of the game and the process. And so you learn to move on from those. Well, if you're just joining us, we're joined by Chip Smith of Chip Smith Performance System in Norcross, uh, Georgia, with 25 years in, in the business. Uh, Chip, you know, let's back up for just a second. You were talking about Connor Shaw. I got a chance to watch him last year and especially in that game against Missouri where he had to come in in the second half. Uh, there hasn't been too much conversation about him, but a lot of conversation about Johnny Manziel, a, a guy who I think both he and Connor Shaw may be the same type of measurables and same type of skill set. Now, why do you think it is that, you know, Connor Shaw hasn't gotten the recognition as he deserves? Well, and that's a great question, and I think that's you know, rightfully so. I, 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 Connor Shaw, I've had the privilege of knowing him. I trained him when he was in middle school. I trained him when he was in high school, and I trained him when he was at, at uh, South Carolina, and then certainly he's with me now. Uh, he's at the combine today. But uh, Connor is a very quiet, humble young man. He's, he is extremely tough. And when I say tough, I text him during the year. When they were playing uh, Missouri, I actually text him for a game, and I said, Connor, don't don't put yourself in a situation where where you could you know you could jeopardize your career by by trying to be a hero. And, and when he got home, I asked him. I said, "Well, you sure listened to me well, didn't you?" He goes, <laughs> he said, "My coach walked over to me and said, Connor, I need you.' That's the kind of young man he's. Uh, coach, I'm ready to go in. You know, he was banged up. I mean, but just he's he's so tough. He's so tough physically and mentally that you know. Again, he's he's a Johnny Manziel type player. He's a he can make plays with his legs. He can throw the ball. He can make the throws he needs to throw. But, again, he didn't get the hype. Uh, here's a guy that threw 25 touchdown passes and had one interception. Uh, you, you tell me that, that he's not a Drew Brees-type player. He's very smart, very cerebral. Uh, he can get on a blackboard and draw schemes and make calls and hot calls and offensive line calls. And, and, uh, but he's just a hard worker, blue-collar kid. His daddy was a high school coach here in Georgia, and his brother plays, and his brother coaches at Army, and so just a, you know, a, a great football family, and just a young man that, you know what, you're going to have to kill him to keep him off the field, and right. I, I, I really believe that somebody's going to take a chance on him. You know, I don't know if he'll get drafted, and I've told him that, you know, we worry about the things that we can control, which is your work ethic, your preparation, where you're drafted, who drafts you, you know, we leave out the good Lord, he's going to put you where you're supposed to be, so the rest of that we're going to worry about, and, and surround yourself with good people, and, you know, he, he's just a great young man, and and I think, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulders. I mean, he, he says, hey, you know, I, I know I can play. You know, I think he was good as the other guys, but when he got passed over for the senior bowl and he got passed over for, um, uh, he was a last-minute ad, you know, to combine, you know, he's, he's, he's questioning, you know, what have I got to do? I mean, I, I think he lost one game at home. So he's a winner, uh, but he's just extremely, extremely tough physically and mentally. 
Mario? Uh, yes, sir. Well, well, well Chip, I, I'll ask this now. When you look at uh, the guys that you've had come through your doors, especially this, this year, uh, well, who is a guy that's kind of flying under the radar and once he gets to Indianapolis, he's going to really jump out to the scouts because they haven't really looked at him as being maybe a guy that would go in the first two days in the draft? Yeah, you know, that that's a great question. I actually have a kid I, that I think, and again, I don't want to jinx myself, but he, he had a great senior bowl. Um, he, he's got a third-round grade. Is, is, is Morgan Moses, the big tackle from, from UVA. And Morgan came in about 335. Uh, uh, he weighed in today at, at, at 314. Uh, he's got extremely long arms. He's got great leverage. He's got great knee bend. Um, he's got a good change of direction, great feet, pass sets are awesome. And he got to the senior bowl. And he, you know, obviously UVA didn't have a very good year this year. So he, he got a chance to spend the whole month of December here in Atlanta with me. And, and we prepared him for that game. And, and when he got there, they were like, wow. You know, so I think he's, he's opened some eyes. And I think that he's got the potential to, to jump up in the first round. Had another senior bowl, uh, guard, Brandon Thomas from, from Clemson. Same kind of kid. You know, he, he, uh, uh, had a great week down there in, in Mobile, and, and uh, they were like, wow, you know, this, he's, he's a little bit more athletic than what we thought. But, you know, again, he's probably got a fifth-round grade, and I think he'll move up. Um, you know, then you've got some of, you know, I've got a, I've got a kid from South Florida that, uh, that, that came in from, from Texas, Tevin Mims. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, very, he's very explosive. I mean, I think he's going to open some eyes. And you've got another deep tackle that's there, Kerry Hyder from Texas Tech. Same thing, Kerry came in. Uh, he was very, you know, very athletic, but uh, completely changed his body. I mean, he's about 290, uh, and he looks like he's got a, you know, 35-inch waist and, and uh, very explosive, good change of direction. I think he's going he's gonna to help himself. Uh, I've got another small college guy that's at the combine, um, uh, Dakota Dozier from Furman. He plays guard. Uh, again, I think this is another kid that, you know, he played in the NFLPA game, uh, went out there and just kind of showed out and, you know he's kind of climbing up the draft boards too as a as a, as a sleeper and um, you know and and then I've got some I've got some bigger name guys that you know Coney Early uh, Ely from uh, Missouri uh, you know he's he's going to be a, you know he should be a top fifteen pick he's not going to sneak up on anybody but right. um, you know Chris Davis from Auburn uh, Chris is a great athlete I think he's going to run extremely well uh, Andre Williams from Boston College who was a runner up for the for the um, Heisman and won the the Dope Walker Award uh, great. Great, great, great young man. Hard worker, extremely hard, dedicated, and somebody's going to get a great player uh, in him. And you know, and then I've got some kids, some other kids I think that are going to be um, uh, that could be sleepers uh, that aren't going to the combine. And you know, as you know, Nick, they 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 don't always you know they don't always hit on that. And they're 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 uh, this past year in the Super Bowl. You know, Seattle had twenty one undrafted free agents on their roster. So, right. A lot of these guys are going to get a chance to make teams and make rosters and and uh, be able to contribute and play and and uh, I'm excited to see uh, those young men. You know, those are the guys like we talked about earlier that are going to end up making teams and contributing and playing. And you know, you, you won't know their names until until a team signs them. But I guarantee the GMs that you have on that they know all these kids. They know whether they can play or not. So uh, I'm excited for this year's group. It's a great group. Um, Really good, fine young men. You know, that's that for me. That's at my age. That's that's very important. <laughs> Character is, you know, when they come here, I want to make sure that uh, we surround ourselves with good, good, good young men that that come to work and and a blue collar and you know want to put in the effort. You know, there are a lot of places you go to that are that are competitors that are you know country club settings that 
guys just come hang out and go to the pool and you know go to, go shopping and come in when they want to. We're we're highly structured, uh, you know. And, and again, I mean, I, I keep alluding back to you, Nick, but you know, you're you're one of the guys that I that I, that I share when when these kids come in. You know, I tell your story. I mean, you you undrafted free agent out of Georgia Tech and came in and busted your butt every day. You did everything. Absolutely. I you know, you, you, you said, Hey, I'm going to play. And I, I kept telling you, look, we're going to find a place for you to play. If it's in the CFL, if it's in the, the, the world league at the time, whatever was available. And I said, you know, as long as you want to chase that dream, you know, you can play. You couldn't, you, you don't play in the ACC. You know, you don't play in a, in a D1 program like Georgia Tech and be as good as you were. And you just persevered and kept doing it, you know, and played in the CFL and came back. Remember, we trained before you finally got your chance in the NFL. And then, you, you know, a 10-year career, give me a break. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. So, you know, you you got a strong, compelling story when you're when you're talking to these kids and sharing with them. I mean, you've lived it. Number one, you, your family with me, you've been through the process. You, you know how intense it is. Um, and, and, and you lived your dreams because you, you, you did, you weren't afraid to work and, and you never gave up. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I take my hat off to you. Well, well, Chip, I, I thank you, uh, you know, for, for, uh, saying that about me, uh, I think highly of you and your program and what you're doing for these, uh, NFL prospects, uh, wish you the best with that and wish your, your guys your, that you've been working with the best, uh, at the NFL combine this week and, uh, we're probably going to call on you again uh, sometime ne- on the next week's show to talk about how the guys actually perform. That's Chip Smith of Chip Smith Performance System. You can find him in Norcross, Georgia. The number you can reach him at is 770-365-5548. After the break, Ted Sunquist, 16-year in the NFL. We talked to the, uh, that former GM about how do you put a team together and also buy you and Daniel Lear going to join the program both writers and directors how they able to manage the hollywood life and relationships you listen to nick ferguson's secondary perspective on voice america sports Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Back to the show, Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Uh, we just had uh, Chip Smith on the show, great stuff, uh, talking about what it takes to get NFL prospects ready, I guess, for uh, the, the time of their lives is, you know, lights, camera, action. Uh, and Indianapolis, as the GMs and scouts look to see if they can find a diamond in the rough, we know what some of the top guys are going to do, but maybe you can find like I said, one of those diamonds in the rough. Uh, Mario, uh, speaking of that, uh, on the line we have both Daniel Lear and Bayou Bennett Lear. And let me give you a little insight on this couple. Uh, both writers and directors and doing some positive things out in the L.A. area. Bayou, Daniel, thank you for joining the program today. Nick Ferguson, so cool to be here, man. Great to be here, Nick. Awesome, awesome. I mean, you know, let's start off. You guys are a couple. And majority of the times, uh, and, I, and I talk to a lot of couples, you know, they like to see one another at home, but working together, an entirely different thing. You guys have found a way to mesh both of those together. And, and tell, tell our listeners, how are you guys able to do that? Wow, that's a really good question, Nick. And, you know, we actually call ourselves the dream team, you know, because we're together 24-7, you know, and we're creating together. So we're like husband and wife, writers and directors, and we're creating films together all the time, award-winning movies. And we're going to film festivals together. We're going all over the world to make our projects. And I think there's a lot of things that make up a successful relationship. Um, And I think, like... You know, one of the things we do is, like, we are, you know, making creative projects together, and I think it adds a really interesting dynamic to the relationship because it's, like, I think one of the natural things that someone does is create. They don't have to be a painter or a sculptor or a filmmaker, but just to come up with new ideas and put them into action in life is, is I think, what, what, what brings a new interesting thing to a relationship. Like, Bayou was telling me about a couple. They're not even painters, but they're taking a painting class together, and it added a right. new cool thing to their relationship. So. Keeping it new, I think, is really important. That's one of the things I think is is really important. Yeah, and then also, Nick, like, for example, as Daniel said, you know, we work together 24-7. We're husband and wife, best friends, and, you know, and um, directors and writers. And basically, one thing that we we have to do is remember to admire each other because, you know, we're working with all kinds of different people. We have a cinematographer, you know, an editor, um, an actor, and, you know, uh, they're added to the team. You're, like, admiring them. They're like, wow, great, you know, great performance there. Great, oh, I love this edit. But then I have to remember, okay, Daniel uh, and I just wrote this together, and I look at him and I admire him, too, because even though, you know, we're together 24-7, 
he did he, he did do this. You know, he did right. um, take our, our project to the next level. So even if you don't work together with your husband and wife, remember to admire them. You know, you know what I mean? Go out there and, and say, wow, you look really beautiful today. Thank you for the meal you created for me. Or, or thank you for <laughs> picking up the kids. Just admire them. That's a them. good point. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you, when you, <laughs> when you look... Sound like the more you admire... Um, or acknowledge what the person does right, the more you have that. Yeah, the more The more of that good stuff you will have. Well, you know what? And, and we live in an era now where everyone has a smartphone and everyone wants uh, their, their Kardashian moment and, and hoping that they get a reality TV show. But you guys have had an opportunity to work with Adidas MTV, uh, P. Diddy, uh, and uh, Def Jam Records. Talk about the, the positivity that you guys are always trying to display in your artwork. Oh, my God. That's, that's one of the things that inspires us to do what we do every day is it's not just about working with people like Coldplay and P. Diddy and Paris Hilton and, you know, all these different types of famous people, which is great, and we learn things from those people, and we really enjoy, enjoy the creativity, but it has, our projects, like, have one thing in common is that we're trying to kind of positively impact the world that we live in. You know, we feel like there's not enough positive role models in this world, so we're trying to make movies that use humor and imagination and great characters to actually say something meaningful and important that will speak to people, like especially in our generation. You know, um, Bayou and I, first, our first project together was called Text Me, and it was about the texting generation, exactly what you were saying. Right. Like people are buried in their phones these days, and they don't communicate as much on a human you know, level. And so we made a film using humor to talk about that, and, um, and people, it really opened up people's eyes, right, by you? Yeah, it was, it was a huge success. I mean, I was a professor at one time, too. I don't know if you know that, Nick, but I was a professor of filmmaking, and I, I actually got inspired by my students because I was like, oh, my God, they're texting and they're sitting right next to each other. Like, <laughs> they're texting each other. And after, so after I showed the film to them, um, they were like, Professor Bennett, you know what? We do text too much. We need to, right. you know, more. And this film, because it hit home for so many people, it got in 15 film festivals, it won three top awards, played in Times Square on the Big Tron for three days, it got on Motorola phones. It's just something that people related to, the parents, the children, you know, and opened their eyes and changed their way, way of thinking. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're just joining us, we're joined by writer and director uh, duo, Daniel Lear and Bayou Bennett Lear. You can find them on Instagram at Dolce Films, and you can go to their website www.dolcefilms.com. And now let me let me uh, transition for a second here. Now, you guys have uh, discovered a little bit of Hollywood talent, and, and all you Glee fans, uh, get ready for this. Uh, Leah Michelle was one of the individuals that you discovered. Talk to us about how that actually transpired. Well, we were doing like a really cool TV pilot, and it was basically about in New York City how you can go to another country just by visiting one city block. Like we lived in Queens for a period, and there was like, you know, little India over there and Bangladesh, and yeah. in the Bronx there was like going to Italy, you know, southern Italy. So we wanted to do a show about uh, a really cool blogger and journalist who was kind of traveling to these different countries just by taking the subway to these different neighborhoods. So. We just, uh, we really liked Leah Michelle. Uh, she was in a, a play at the time, or a musical. Broadway play. Broadway, sorry. Starring <laughs> <laughs> in a Broadway play. Wow. <laughs> one we, we thought she was perfect, and we knew that she was going to, you know, we just always can tell. Like, Bayou calls us star forecasters, you know, like the weather forecast or fashion right. forecast. We're like star forecasters, so we brought her in, and then we ended up winning, like, the New York Television Film Festival with that pilot. 
um, and she got, you know, best host, and it was then from there she just took off to doing Glee, and we're just all the time finding talent before they blow up. Wow, well, if you guys are really looking for talent, you really need to look no further. Mr. Ferguson and I have been working those angles for the last couple months. So if you want to discover the next great acting duo, you get diversity, you get humor, you get passion. You just get a hold of us anytime. This, that's actually why we brought you on here in the first place. Well, I, I tell you what, you know, when I when I look at what filmmaking is today, there's some films that uh, inspire me to go out there and uh, inspire other people. Now, you know, with you guys being in the business, are, are there any other uh, writers, directors that you guys look to to their work and, and find inspiration? You know, that's a really good question. Um, it, it's like for for us, it's like we go and see a movie, and certain movies just inspire us. Like we were even just watching. Um, we watched this movie last night, uh, a few nights ago, that you know, for Valentine's Day, called Winter's Tale, and that was so romantic and magical, and just so exactly what Bai and I are trying to do, which is to create this amazing feeling in the world. And I really recommend that. And even like there was a very, very sleeper role by Will Smith, and he just completely killed it in a role I've never seen him do anything like that. So that was very cool. What do you think, Bai? Yeah, I mean, it, it changes for me, to be honest, Nick. I mean, uh, you know, I used to, my favorite, I love the fantasy element, the kind of Tim Burton kind of fantasy element. Um, I, I love how he uses his wife in his pieces, because sometimes I right. star in pieces that we do. And I think, um, I, I, I don't know, I admire as many, uh, you know, female directors like Sofia Coppola. Some of her films I really like, like Lost in Translation. And um, so for me, it's like, it's like I'm kind of, paving the way for female directors everywhere. And, I'm, and so I'm always inspired by, um, you know, different female directors as well. well. Well, before I let you guys go, a quick question. You know, you writers and you directors and, and you know, I'm a sports guy. Uh, do you see yourselves doing any kind of uh, sports documentaries in the near future? That's a good question. We um, have done a few sports things, a documentary on Andy Roddick, tennis player, um, we did another piece where a really cool positive campaign called Smart Girls Rocks with Nasia Lukin, who was the Olympic gold medalist in gymnastics. Um, and uh, there's definitely something in the future, I think, having to do with sports. I just don't know what it is yet. Like one of the films that I personally admire a lot in terms of filmmaking is Any Given Sunday by Oliver Stone, which was a football film. Excellent. Because I really felt, I really admired how he got in there in the huddle with the camera and just shot the, the, the movie in such a, a, a realistic, like a very real feeling dynamic way. That, that movie really blew me away. So there definitely has to be something having to do with sports coming up soon. We are working on a skateboarding film, which is going to be incredible. Yeah, it's called Skateboarding with Saddam. That, that's our big one, Nick, the one I was telling you about with uh, right. Doug Claiborne, who is a producer who did Fast and the Furious, uh, War of the Roses, The Black Stallion, and that, and that one's coming up, um, out. And, well, we're going to be shooting it in 2014. Wow, some great stuff from both Daniel Lear and Bayou Bennett Lear. Thank you guys for joining us and actually showing that that you can have a successful career, a relationship in Hollywood, that it is possible, contrary to popular belief. Thank you guys <laughs> for joining uh, uh, the program. Uh, uh, Ma- Mario, uh, I mean, they were talking about relationships, and, and typically you and I don't get into the ins and outs of, of, of relationships but I'm sure we both have had seen our highs of highs and lows of lows, and I won't ask you to uh, mention any. Hey, ones. I'm an open <laughs> book, Nick. You can ask me whatever you want. Well, I'm not gonna. I, I don't want you to mention anyone 
uh, uh, by by name, Mario, but uh, you know, how many successful relationships have you had? Uh, I am actually in one right now, and that's the only one that matters. Well, there there, there it is. I mean, that's the only one that that matters, and uh, hopefully, she's listening to the show. And, and as you try to blow kisses uh, to us uh, right now, we have sixteen years in the NFL. Sixteen, which right. is hard, which is hard to be just. For someone in the front office, uh, right now we have uh, Ted Sunquist joining the program. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Ted, it's an honor, man. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Listen, Nick, did you ever blow me kisses as your general manager? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> hey, Ted, he did all the time. He just tried to do it discreetly, you know. <laughs> oh wow, wow! You know, no, no, I did not blow uh, blow kisses. Maybe more of a mile high. Uh, uh, salute. Uh, I tell you, you know, we're right on the cusp of uh, the NFL combine. A lot of guys are trying to go get themselves, uh, you know, move their draft status up, not fall behind. Uh, when you look at this draft as a whole, I mean, as a former GM, what are you looking for to stand out during that interview process and the workouts? Well, I'll be honest with you, Nick. When you go into Indianapolis, it, it is a long week, and it's jam-packed full of, uh, you know, watching skill drills, watching them go through the various uh, uh, workout uh, um, scenarios that they're asked to do, the, the interview like you talked about, it, and it and it really gets taxing on you. There's about 350 kids out there right now, and and over the course of the of the week, they bring them in by positions, as you know, and a lot of the NFL fans know now that they cover it so closely. But the biggest thing, I think, is to really sit down uh, with each and every player and get a firm understanding of how this guy can fit into your organization. How does he fit into the culture of your club and what you're trying to get accomplished on both offense and defense? Not only on the field, but off the field as well. And I think, you know, nine times out of ten, the problems that you end up having with players, and, and you can attest to this, is not necessarily their, the skill element, but their ability to transition that skill from a college level, which, you know, is, is a young man's game, to the professional level, which is a man's game. Right. And I, you know, I've always said that, that the NFL is made up of 32 all-star teams because I think every team has got some really good talent on it. But it's that ability for the front office and the coaching staff to kind of rally everybody around what you're trying to accomplish, which is hopefully win a Super Bowl championship, and to get them really focused on that goal and do the things necessary day in and day out over that long haul of a season to hopefully be standing at the end as a Super Bowl champion. Now, now, I mean, you're in Denver, and right now uh, John Elway has a very talented team, but he has to make some really – uh, tough decisions. What he's going to do with Champ Bailey? Uh, you know, does he go out and try to get another quarterback just in case uh, Peyton Manning is no longer there after the season? If you're John Elway, what's the first thing, or who would be the priority as far as making sure they're back in the Broncos uniform for you? Well, I think that's a good question. You know, they've got some situations there on offense. Uh, no, Sean Moreno is a free agent. Eric Decker is a free agent. Both those players have stepped up since Peyton Manning came into Denver as quarterback and really kind of raised the level of their play. You know, at one point, Noshan Moreno was thought to have been a bust as a former number one pick right. uh, and really has come on under uh, this new system with Peyton Manning as the quarterback. Eric Decker was a 1,000-yard receiver. 
Uh, I think he had 83 catches this year. He's going to be a catch for somebody. But I think the most important thing is to really, you know, and they've probably done this, sit down with Peyton. How do you feel, you know, as we go forward? What are some of the things that you're going to need? And keep those weapons around him. Because if they lose some of the talent that they have on the offensive side, and as Peyton gets one year older, and some of the problems that they had in the offensive line with, with the health situation and trying to move guys around, you've suddenly got an older quarterback who, you know, mentally as far as the game goes, and, and really production-wise, I mean, had one of the greatest seasons of all time. But you've got to remember that his, his ability to get rid of that football and get it out there depends on those receivers getting open quickly for him. Um, I think John's really got to focus uh, on maintaining that, talent level around Peyton Manning here in Denver. However he does that, whether it's holding on to the free agents that he's already got or supplementing them with some uh, young talent, both at running back, but they got Monty Ball last year, but primarily at wide receiver, uh, making sure they continue to get depth, good depth on that offensive line. Um, and then look for those types of defensive players that can thrive under a guy like Jack Del Rio. Uh, you know, the Broncos, I mean, they were just, you know, one bad Sunday away, that certainly was right. not indicative of how they had played throughout the season. But I do think that it exposed them to a certain degree in some areas there, and I'm sure that John and, uh, John and John, both Fox and Elway, have discussed that and are going into Indy this week looking for those types of players that we were talking about fit with what they're trying to get accomplished at Dove Valley. Now, Ted, let me ask you this. As far as the franchise tag is concerned, I mean, this is it's kind of thrown around. Who would make the most sense for the Broncos to franchise tag? Because I know they were talking a little bit about Eric Decker, but in my mind, it doesn't make a lot of sense to franchise tag a number two wide receiver or basically someone who's not the number one guy at any given position. So DRC has been thrown around a lot. Uh, maybe no Sean Moreno. In your mind, who makes the most sense to get the franchise tag? You know, that's a great question, and to be honest with you, I don't think I'd use the franchise tag this year. I mean, based upon what I see at free agency, I mean, you've got some guys that are a little bit longer in the tooth uh, with regards to the defensive side. You're exactly right on, on Eric Decker, as much as he meant to that offense this year. Hey, you know, let him go out, let him test the market, and then see perhaps if you can match what they've got there. You've got to keep that communication line open, certainly with Eric and his agent. But at the same time, you know, I'd go ahead and let him go fish the water, so to speak, and then just see if it fits into your overall financial plan. Um, right. I'm, you know, you don't want to put a franchise tag on a running back, certainly. And, and again, they, they drafted Monty Ball last year, I think, to come in really as the guy uh, to take over that role. And I thought that he got better and better as the season went on. So as I look at their list of free agents right now, I'm not really sure – not that any one of them doesn't deserve the franchise tag, but that that particular tool fits with what they're trying to do at the moment. Yeah, makes sense. Well, if you just joined, was joined by uh, Ted Sunquist, 16 years in the business, former GM for the Denver Broncos. Ted, we were up against a, a break. Uh, can we keep you on uh, coming out of that break? Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up after the break, we'll talk to Ted more and see what he thinks. Uh, should be done with their first pick overall, and who is the best quarterback in the draft, Johnny Manziel or Teddy Bridgewater? You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Yeah. 
The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune in to Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. We have Ted Sunquist, former GM of the Denver Broncos, 16 years in the business, and who better to analyze and break down the NFL combine than someone who's sat in the room. Now, talking, staying with the, uh, the theme of the NFL uh, combine, now we have a lot of guys who are highly touted, I mean, come in with a lot of recognition, a lot of, a lot of hype. Uh, how much does that play into your evaluation? And the second part is how important is the 40-yard dash to the evaluation of a prospect? Yeah, those are two great questions, Nick. I'll take the first one head on, okay? There's a lot of noise out there with regards to the overall draft process that as an organization you've got to close your ears to. Uh, the, the draft, the combine, NFL Network getting involved with the combine now, there's, I mean, they've moved it back to the month of May, the draft itself, to allow for more coverage. It's constantly coming at you. And what you've got to do is you've really got to center yourself and, and focus on the needs of your club and the types of players that you're looking to, to uh, bolster your roster. And if you start listening to some of these pundits and prognosticators and uh, mock drafts and this, that, and the other and what you should do and what you shouldn't do, um, it really kind of gets you off base. Now, that said, there are some organizations out there that I don't think can truly look in the mirror and, and, and see their reflection. They don't know who they are. They're not sure what direction they want to take. And that noise will a lot of times get in the way right. when you get an owner or, let's say, a front office businessman or a high-level position in the front office that's usually not involved in the football process. He hears something and then wants to get involved. And that has happened, you know, not necessarily here in Denver. It never did because Mike uh, Shanahan, when we were both there, you know, was the guy. Uh, but ultimately, it has happened across, across the league. And it usually happens when an owner, again, or one of those types of people try to get involved and they've heard something. 
uh, here or there. Um, you know, the, the second part, um, you know, the 40-yard dash, it is important, but ultimately it's only one piece of the big puzzle. Right. The way I've always looked at it is, is when you're evaluating a player, it's like a thousand-piece puzzle, and you're hoping to be able to put as many pieces of that puzzle together so that you can see a clear, big picture of really who you're getting. Uh, there was a really interesting study that was done a few years ago by a guy here actually in Denver named Joe Landers, uh, and he did it for OurLads.com, which is Dan Shanka's uh, draft site. Dan used to scout for the Miami Dolphins, and he, and he did it on the relevance of the combine. And he went through and he looked at the various skill drills that the guys have got to do, and then he looked at over the years where the players fell, whether they were a starter or a second-string guy or a 53-man roster guy, or a practice squad guy, or a guy who made a camp, et cetera, et cetera. And it looked at which one of, the, of the, the drills, or actually all of them, correlated most significantly to where that guy fell. And 40-yard dash was very important, but in the end, across all positions, the most indicative uh, of the drills that shows whether or not a guy is going to be successful is that three-cone drill. Right. It's that short area quickness, change of direction drill. And that one, whether you were a defensive lineman or a safety or an offensive guard or a wide receiver, man, that one was really strong. But the 40-yard dash was in there pretty high. But, but I would say over the, over the look of all seven of them, it's that three-cone. You know what, Ted? You know, talk about this also. I mean, because I, well, I know the burst of speed and the quickness is something – that you know everyone's looking at but what i want the listeners to really get and really understand when you guys get into that war room you guys have done uh, months of evaluations the scouts have gone out and, and done their due diligence but but when you guys are in that war room and, and you're looking at your draft board you know talk about if at all there's any conflict because you as a gm wants one guy you know the scouts are rooting for the, another guy and the head coach says listen I want this guy. How do you guys make that decision collectively? Well, I think it's going over and over and over um, the various statistics and the data that's presented to you, looking at the highlight films, really digging deep into the game tape. And, and coming, you know, coming out on the other end, uh, respecting everybody's opinion, you know, understanding that no one is right or wrong, but that ultimately we've got to find the guys that fit with what we're trying to get accomplished on both sides of the football. And I think that hinges on the leadership of your front office and your, and your coaching staff. In the case of Denver, when I was there, I ran the personnel department. It was my responsibility to make sure the scouts went out, did their evaluations, checked off all the boxes, that we had all the information that we needed. And Mike ran the, the coaching staff, and it was his responsibility that the coaches – had their opportunity to have input and what they needed in order to get the tight end position to produce or the offensive line to be a cohesive unit. And then Mike and I, as well as uh, Jim Goodman at the time, who was the personnel director, we usually sit down as a threesome and walk through some various scenarios. And ultimately, Mike did have that quote-unquote final say, and people always are talking about you know the importance of final say, but it's never just one guy. It's the input of, of, you know, upwards of 20 to 25 guys when you take your scouting staff and your coaching staff. And, again, I think it's just being respectful of everybody, having worked together for a long time, everyone being on the same page, 
and then realizing that, hey, in the end, all we want is the best player for our team to help us reach our goals, and and that's what we've had. Now, is that Shangri-La? No, it can happen, but I think it starts <laughs> with, with good leadership. But there are a lot of clubs where there is that battle that you're talking about. Well, we're talking to uh, Ted Sunquist, former GM of Denver Broncos. You can find him at Ted underscore Sunquist, and you can find some other good football material if you want to boost up your football IQ at www.thefootballeducator.com. Last question before I let you get out of here, Ted. Uh, looking at this NFL draft, a lot of guys, once again, come in with a lot of hype, and you know that, that first overall pick is up for grabs, and everyone's talking about, the fact of Johnny Manziel, very exciting player in, in college, but but if with you being the GM with all the experience that you have, you have Johnny Manziel and Teddy Bridgewater. Which quarterback would you take, and why? Well, Nick, I tell you what, they're they're both very talented, but I tell you, the thing that scares me a little bit about Johnny Manziel is he's coming out early, and the maturity level that I've seen kind of displayed over the course of his college career, both on and off the field. Fifteen teams in the last three years have replaced their starting quarterbacks through the draft. Okay, fifteen teams. Nine of those have gone through the first round. And of those nine, seven have taken their teams to the playoffs already in their first three years. So it's possible to get your your club turned around with a young quarterback. But you better have a guy that I think is both mentally and physically ready. And I'm not real sure that Johnny Manziel really knows what he's getting into, to be quite honest with you. I know he played in that competitive SEC. Uh, you know, I look at a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know him and have not heard from him as much as we have Manziel from a personal perspective. Uh, but right now, I just kind of like the way he carries himself better, and I think he'd fit better down in the locker room, uh, gain the respect of those veteran players that need him to produce. And then they'll play hard for him. Um, I, I just, I've got a lot of question marks with the young guy from A&M. Well, thank you, Ted, for, for your insight, man. Always good stuff. we got to find a way to get you back inside an NFL building, man, to help you uh, help some of these teams uh, get to the finish line and get to that Lombardi trophy. Always a pleasure to have you on, ladies and gentlemen. That's Ted Sunquist. Once again, you can find him at Ted underscore Sunquist, thanks for joining the program, Ted. All right, great Thank talking you so to much, you. Ted. Take care, buddy. Right All on. right. All right, Justin, it's about that time. Let me get that music. That's right, turn on the lights, want you to see everything, lights, camera, action, Mario, favorite part of the show. Before we get out of here, it would not be complete unless we delved into Real Talk. Now, Real Talk, Ray Rice, the running back of the Baltimore Ravens, four-year contract, $32 million on TMZ for allegedly punching his girl out in Atlantic City. What kind of, that, what kind of thing is that? What in the okay, Nick? Here here we go. Here we go. What in the world is Ray Rice doing? Okay, I will say this real quick to begin. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Here we go. We don't know what exactly happened. Okay, maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe Ray Rice is innocent. And now I'm gonna play the realist. Ray Rice is messing up right now. Clearly. (laughs) 
Being on the same team as Ray Lewis, who was never officially found guilty, and guess what? Ray Rice probably won't either. Clearly playing on a team with the criminal Ray Lewis, rubbed off on Ray Rice. It just took a year after Ray Lewis retired. Maybe so it wasn't traced back to him. You know, Ray Lewis is very good at that kind of stuff. Ray Rice, you are an idiot. What are you thinking? You got this nice big contract. You're one of the only players on the Baltimore Ravens that isn't considered a criminal, and you're going to do some crap like this? Shame on you, Ray Rice. You should be suspended for four games next season. Real talk. Wow. Suspended for four games. All right. Now, uh, the, the St. Louis Rams are talking about giving Sam Bradford uh, an extension. You're talking about a quarterback, and his four years, he only has 18 wins. And it's all about uh, being healthy and durable. Real talk, would you give this guy extension? Real talk, Mr. Ferguson, absolutely not. You do not give Sam Bradford an extension because here's how you got to look at it. If he wasn't a number one overall pick, let's say he was second second or third round, or maybe even later in the first round, would he still be demanding money? Do you think that you'd be considering a contract extension? Absolutely not. The only reason they are considering it whatsoever is because he was the number one overall pick. And this was before the collective bargaining agreement. So they have spent an inordinate amount of money, just way too much money on Sam Bradford. You need to cut your losses. Your losses. If Kellen Clemens can come in and play just as well, then you need to find a new signal caller. Get rid of Sam Bradford. Let him be someone else's problem. He will never be the quarterback that he was supposed to be coming out of Oklahoma. Real talk. All right, real talk. Uh, You know, the big three in Miami took a pay cut to join together and win two back-to-back championships. Now there is alleged talk that they may be willing to reduce salaries even more to bring on Carmelo Anthony. Real talk with the NBA actually go for this. Real talk, man, here's the deal. This is all a joke, and I guess it only was a matter of time until a professional sports team figured this out, especially basketball. I mean, basketball, there are, what, 12 guys on the roster. There's five guys on the court at once, so it's a little more difficult to do with the big team sports where in football there's 11 guys, in baseball there's nine guys, and I, I guess at some point somebody had to figure it out, but come on, man. Is this really what sports are being reduced to? There is one team and then every other team. Basketball is turning into a little bit of a joke because it's just guys teaming up with their buddies and saying, well, you know what? We couldn't do it just me. We couldn't do it with this guy and this guy. So let's bring in every single person we know. But it's you know what, Nick? They're making more money just off of being sponsored. They're making more money with Nike and Gatorade and what have you than they are in the actual NBA. So, of course, they're going to take a pay cut. This isn't even where they're making their nut. Do I have a problem with it? Yeah, that's just because I don't like LeBron James or Carmelo Anthony. But (laughs) if I was a Miami Heat fan, do I love it? Absolutely. I'm not surprised. And I'm actually the thing that surprises me is that it took this long for a team to do this. Real talk. Real talk, I will close it out right here. D'Angelo Hall has a new extension with the Washington Redskins. Real talk, I don't see how that has even taken place, considering the fact that he is the quintessential of the phrase, you know, better to be lucky than good. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know, and I guess that is the typical point of what's been going on with Daniel Snyder 
team, when you go ahead and give a guy like this an extension, when you have other issues on your team, it's been a pleasure. I would like to start off by thanking Bayou and Daniel Lear for joining the program. Chip Smith, Ted Sunquist, and as always, Justin on the boards, and Mario Batanzi at Mile High Mario. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Have a blessed weekend, and look out for the other driver. Please. All right. <laughs> That's Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective on Voice America Sports. Until next time, take us home. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 